Welcome to Life to the, Through the Phil Filter. I'm your host, Phil, and today we're doing the second part of the educational reform series, um, talking about how we can actually make education better for the teacher and probably ultimately better for the student. And it's from a teacher's standpoint. It's not from somebody who's never been in a classroom before, because usually a lot of decisions are made on from people who haven't been in a classroom for 20 years. But that being said, or never been in a classroom whatsoever. <laughs> So, uh, today I want to talk about um, how difficult, how needlessly difficult uh, it is to become a teacher and how with a needlessly difficult uh, difficulty to maintain a teacher. And it also saves a teacher some money. Uh, so, let's, let's talk about uh, what the reality is and then we'll talk about how it can fix it. So, so the first thing is, how do you become, become a teacher? Well, there's two ways. There's two ways. Um, there's the direct route. That's where you go to college, maybe because you got inspired by a teacher in your past, or maybe your family uh, was a was an accomplished teacher, and you want to become a teacher. Now you're now you're not even thinking about trying to get on the doctorate level and teach at a college. You just want to get out out of your family's house. So you're looking at what's going to be the fastest way that I can get out on my own because you're you ready to leave the nest, right? So if you were like me, uh, you went through the direct route. The other route is called, um, called the lateral route. The lateral route means that um, you have come in from the workforce with life experience and have come in and to teach. And the reason uh, a lot of times people do it, and this is when I'm just talking, I don't know exactly what is required for different states to do that, but I have talked with teachers at why they did it. And, and most of them said, well, I got into, I got my degree. Um, I think there was two, there was two basically main things. I got to my degree and everybody in their grandmother's dog had that same degree and there was no jobs. That That's happened once or twice when I talked about the lateral entry and then the other lateral entry was saying, like, I got into the position, I got the job I wanted, I worked for about two years, and I realized I hated it. I didn't like it. But I still like the subject matter. I still enjoy problem solving. I'm speaking from a chemistry perspective. I still like helping people. I still like sharing my knowledge. And I like to have some results. But anyway, the point is, it was like, oh, I could do a teacher. And so, in other words, they, they look at the time off that you have. But they're not afraid of the heavy workload that, that teachers have because they've already had a situation like that. So that's about all I know about lateral entry. I know I, I know there's some orientation and there's some classes you have to take while you're teaching to give you the pedagogy part of the teaching. And you still have to take the, the pedagogy test and you still have to take the, uh, uh, the content mastery test, which uh, I'll mention in just a second. At any rate, back to um, back to the direct route. Well, I went to the direct. Uh, I went the direct route. You go to you go to college. You get your degree, and if you were like me, uh, you wanted to get out of your family's house because you're ready to move on, and you just said, you know, and you your scholarships didn't cover a master's degree, and so you look you look there and you think, all right, well, I can go ahead and start earning money right now because at that time, you know, as a college person. As uh, the comedian uh, Sinbad said on his stand-up, uh, I got a dollar, you know. And then when someone's offering you, you know, uh, $2,000 a month roughly uh, after taxes, you're like, oh my gosh, that's $2,000 more dollars than I got right now. And you think it's fantastic, but 
you know, you do, and you don't come from old money and know that's a very small amount of money, you're thinking, oh my gosh, what can I do with that? I could have a car. I could have an apartment. I could have, I could have food. You know, you're sitting there going, woo, $2,000. But then you realize $2,000 is not enough. <laughs> it's not enough. But you want, but it's enough to get you out of the house, which your goal is, because your goals are get out of the house. And your goals are, all right, get me a place. And your goals are, let me get, let me get used to this thing. And then maybe at some time down the road that I will try to get my master's degree. Because surely there are some sort of programs that are going to be offered as a teacher to get a, get a cheap, if not free, master's degree. And in, teachers, if you're listening to this and you know of a place, um, I will have my, um, I will have my website up and my, um, and a phone number that you can call and you can get, please give me that information because I would like to broadcast it to new teachers out there so that they can, they know where they need to go and they can do stuff. Cause I personally have found no place that would give a near free, um, or a very cheap master's degree for an education, uh, degree. So that's going to be one of the things I want to talk about a little bit later about, uh, reform. But so you've done you've done your thing. You've taken your finals. You've done things. And so what things you have to do in your senior year? And I did it while I took I did it while I took uh, modern physics and uh, in the in in the in the spring, not in the spring in the fall. And then I took it when I took instrumental analysis in uh, in in the uh, in the spring. And what it is is that uh, we had the way our education uh, surf. Uh, thing did was that we had to do in uh, two weeks or three weeks of observation at a, at, a, at a school. Well, guess what? You know how rare it is for a chemistry teacher to quit a school? Very, very rare. Once a chemistry teacher, it is pretty much the thing. Once a chemistry teacher finds a school, he stays put. And I'm sure a lot of your chemistry teachers out there that are listening are going, yep, I've been here forever. Uh, when you find a school, when you find that perfect fit, you don't move. You don't move around. You stay and you, because you've got to build up your, uh, you've got to, you know, you've got to build up your reservoir of, of, uh, kitchen chemistry. If you're under budget, if you don't have much of a budget or you have to have your kits all ready to go. So it, it, it helps you do your labs and I digress, but the point I was trying to get to is, is, um, is that there wasn't very many chemistry uh, positions are fatal for me to sit and watch and observe. So, because I was taking physics, um, they went and they let me, um, they let me observe. I was able to observe at my old high school and I was able to observe the chemistry teacher. Now, for some reason, not the chemistry teacher, the physics teacher, my bad. The chemistry teacher, on the other hand, uh, didn't want to be observed or for some reason. I couldn't, I couldn't observe that one. The only person that was in and in the state that I was in, it's called Mississippi. Uh, it's called the state I was in. It's called Mississippi. It's also called Denial. No, it was called. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to say is that Mississippi has a uh, has a uh, thing known as the MTAI. Now they probably got rid of it by now, but at the time they had what's called the MTAI. It was a copy of the Georgia version, which is called the G Georgia TAI or GTAI. And basically, it's called the Mississippi, Test, uh, Mississippi Teachers Assessment Instrument, which is a bunch of subjective, non-really, uh, non-really uh, uh, scorable uh, information. It was all subjective. Uh, whether or not you can teach us, you know, be a student teacher, uh, mentor, or not, 
And so in order to become a student TDG mentor, you need to have completed the Mississippi test, uh, the MTAI, the Mississippi Teachers, Teachers Assessment Instrument. And when you graduated from my college, my school, Mississippi College, you would uh, you automatically get you, you you get trained under it. So ergo, you you are when you get out and after having two years of teaching experiences, you qualify for being a mentor for other teachers. But there was only one teacher in that whole school. Furthermore, it wasn't chemistry; it was physics. And I watched, and I, I could tell you some stories there, but uh, I'll tell you some some funny stuff later. But uh, this is more about reform and kind of more of a serious broadcast. So I'll move on. So I spent two weeks. I graded papers. I helped her. I helped her set up labs, and I help her. You know, I help students uh, who were having an issue with some stuff. And I, you know, basically just did it to be a teacher assistant. In short, I was a teacher assistant for three weeks, and I got kind of. I had to go to faculty meetings, and I had to, you know, just basically follow the follow teacher around. And you know, I was supposed to ask questions, and then I was supposed to submit essays on, on not necessarily you know, on her performance specifically, but just things that I learned and I picked up, you know, things that are, you know, and it's actually it was very good experience. I'm not saying that that was a waste of time. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that uh, that's what I had to do. And then, then while I was taking instrumental analysis in the, uh, in the uh, instrumental analysis in the, uh, in the spring, I had, uh, which was at night, uh, they moved it at tonight for me. It was very nice that we had it during the day, tw uh, three to three times a week. And I said, you know, I've got student teach and we only have five kids in this class, in our instrumental analysis class. Is there any way we can move it to nighttime? And they moved it to nighttime for me. And that was really nice. I told them that we can go back to the normal schedule after I finished student teaching. And, and they said they understood. But um, but they, they, they ended up liking that particular schedule because we had the run of every of all the labs. Uh, nobody was around. I think we did it on Thursday nights. And anyway... So we did our instrumental analysis, and we had to run to the computer lab, too, that was adjoining to it. So it really, really was much better. We didn't have to fight any other teachers for anything. So it worked out really well. Um, any rate, any rate, uh, we got to, I got a student teach. Now, so when I student teach, I had to find a teacher uh, who was MTAI certified and a chemistry. And once again... Uh, I didn't go to my home high school because there wasn't one because they really wanted me to do chem uh, do a chemistry, um, but they went to um, so I went to another high school, uh, an inner city high school, and I student taught there. And once again, um, it, I could only be at a, it was only only a physics teacher could teach me. And again, with my with with my physical science and physics background, they had no problem. And what you had to do was you had to you had to devise your own lesson, uh, lesson plan, and devise your lessons, devise your labs, and basically give them basic. You're supposed to teach for two to maybe three weeks, and then give an assessment, and then uh, you get observed by the. Uh, I think you uh, you get observed by your prof professor mentor uh, from the college will come in and about three or four times while you're teaching to observe you, and then he'll. And this is the MTAI, and he's the he's doing all the checks off for the MTAI, and then the MTAI also gets checked off by uh, by the your mentor teacher, and of course you go to all the faculty meetings and you go to all the other stuff and you deal with you know you deal, and then they leave you alone for a week, you know um, they they basically the teacher the teacher sits back in the back background or sometimes don't even come to school. I do remember that mine I don't know where mine was but. Um, 
I only taught two classes. I took, took the two middle classes before and after lunch uh, for physics. She taught chemistry the other classes, but for some reason they wanted me to do physics, so I did. Or maybe I did chemistry and physics. I don't remember. So much, like 20 years ago. But anyway, <clears throat> I did my job. I got glowing. I made an A in, the, in student teaching and I made an A in instrumental analysis. But, <clears throat> hold on. My bad. I had to grab something. And, um, and so that brings us to, that brings us to, uh, you know, graduation. So you get your graduation, you get your BS, and I have some letters after my name. I have a BSED. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> BSED. That's hilarious. And um, in chemistry, with minors in music and, and near, uh, nearly a minor in psychology and nearly a minor in physics. So, <clears throat> so I went and um, I went, I went in and I started thinking, all right. What schools do I want to work at? I already had a plan. I was going to work at, uh, I wanted to be able to take my master's degree uh, and get my master's degree in combined sciences at some point, probably in the next couple of years at the time. And I wanted to have a job that was close to college. Well, one of the best high schools in the state was near my college, in Mississippi College. It was Clinton, uh, Clinton uh, High School. It was one of the best schools in the state. Had a very strict, uh, I say strict, a very, uh, a very good and a discipline policy, because that's the one thing you need to look at as a teacher. If you're ever looking for a job in your first year teachers, ladies and gentlemen, you want to look at their discipline policy. And if they have, if they have, and you want to look how many students are BIPs, which are called behavior interventional, behavior interventional, uh, intervention plan, BIP. You want to see how many, how many students are going to be BIPs and how many students you're going to have that's going to have BIPs. And then you want to look at how many, how many students have IEPs, versus how many students you're going to get as an IEP. Those are called uh, uh, instructional education plans. And I'll talk about those uh, probably in the next broadcast um, because those get kind of, I've already mentioned them once, I think, on the previous one, but I really want to talk about how silly they, silly they are. They're not helpful. <clears throat> All right, so moving right along. So... Now, I need to find a job. Now, back in the day, I would pick up the phone and I would call the principals of the schools or I could call the school district. I had actually had a friend of mine's father was the, uh, was the recruitment person for, uh, for a nearby school system, which was like 30 minutes away, which I won't go any further than that. I'm just going to say that that was one that I, I looked into. And I called uh, and I said, hey, I'm a, you know, my name is Phil. I've got a chemistry uh, I've got a chemistry degree. Do you have any chemistry openings? And once I meant, but I mentioned also earlier in this broadcast that chemistry teachers don't usually change very often. And so they say, they say, yeah, or they say no. So basically I went through probably about five or six schools looking for, you know, ones that I would really like that have a good discipline plan, um, has a has um, a low inclusion as far as uh, IEPs and BIPs are concerned, and um, at least that's what we call them now. That's not what we call them before. I, um, what we called them for would be socially unacceptable, so I won't talk to you about what they are. But um, and so eventually, I finally got a hold of my friend's uh, dad, who says, "Yeah, we got a we got a place for you. Come on over." So I go in and do the interview. Now, prior to this interview. Ladies and gentlemen, 
I have to work. And so I got a job working as a summer school teacher, which they didn't mind. They, all they cared about is that I had a degree in education. So I went and got a summer school. And then I also had to take a test prior to getting, uh, getting a license, a Mississippi license. I have to take a test. And at the time, it was called the National Teacher's Exam, NTE. And that was the pedagogy. And then the content mastery, or the content uh, exam, was called the, uh, you could take two, one, of, one of two of them. There was the content mastery exam, the CME. Uh, which are usually for people who want to add an endorsement and doesn't and don't want to take all the classes necessary. You pay 200 bucks. You can, if you pass a test, you can add the endorsement provided that you have uh, a small amount of hours. And the other one is called the Praxis. It was called just the Praxis, and it and it was for your subject matter. So if you wanted to, if your main subject matter in my case was chemistry, and I wanted to add physics, I would take the CME, the Content Mastery Exam for physics. And then I would take the praxis for chemistry. Well, I took all three, just to let you know. But and it and it, and it costs and it costs money. It cost it costs it costs money out of pocket. Now think about this, ladies and gentlemen. You could take the pedagogy or the NTE, now known as the praxis one. You could take that during your senior year of school because you should be done with all your pedagogy information. So you should be able to take that test with no problem. But it's remember that dollar I mentioned. You know that Sinbad mentioned. The dollar, you know, I got a dollar, <laughs> you know, that's all you got. What am I going to do with this dollar? Well, I've got to save it and put it with a whole bunch of other dollars. Or you have to go with your hat in your hand and you've got to go to your family and say, I, I need $150 to take this test or I can't get my license because I can't teach. I can teach and I can teach it as a license without a license, but I'll get substitute pay, which is, which is only 75% of what you normally get. I'd get substitute pay. And I, I want to have full pay. And they're like, well, all right, we'll see what we can do. And they, they get your family together, especially if you don't come from old money. And um, all the family chips in so that you can take the test. So you go and take the test. You blow the scores off of it like, like I did. And then you're good. But then you, have to take the con then you have to take the content exam. Well, you have to take the practice too. And then you go up there and say, all right. I, you, you try to explain to your family, okay. Um, I have another chat. I have another test. This one is a little more expensive. It's two hundred dollars. It's known as the Praxis Two, or it's it's because the content exam. It's the chemistry. And they go, but we just paid for an exam. You're like you're like no, that's for proving that I learned something in college for some reason. And you're like oh okay, well, they give you some more money. You take the test. You do well, and um, you get you get those two tests now. Listen to just a second. We have to take, as a teacher, you have to take, and this is where it's needlessly difficult, we have to take two tests, two tests outside, out of our own pocket, just to get a license that isn't even for life. It's, it's for three years or five years or whatever, which you have to renew by paying money, right? So we have to do two tests. Now you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm an HVAC person, and I'm, you know, I had to take a test. Yeah, you take an HVAC, you take, you take an HVAC, I think there's an HVAC 1. I think there's an HVAC 2. I'm not 100% sure on that. I've only, only proxied uh, uh, teaching, uh, proxied the, uh, uh, the tests for, uh, for the uh, testing companies. Uh, I worked briefly for a place where I could do that for extra money in the summer. And there's an HVAC test. Um, there was an electrician's test. There was a couple other a couple other things I can't I can't think of mine. I personally taken uh, the insurance adjuster test test. 
which cost me 200 bucks plus I had to uh, pay for pay for schooling that I had to take online I had to take on an online course and I had to and then I also to I also held a, an insurance license which I had to study my butts off to be able to get that license so I've taken a lot of tests and look at me right now I mean um, I'm I'm just a 12-year teacher because I went and did some other stuff because I got tired of all the bull crap and and I'll, the, the most I can make is $43,000 a year, but I've taken all these tests that have probably totaled up to about five, $600. So why? So I understand that there are some places where they have to take tests. Life experience is not good enough. College experience is not good enough. It's not good enough. You have to take these tests. Why? Because it's easier to look at a number. And we'll talk about um, the the, the uh, fallacy of, of standardized testing uh, on another broadcast. So, so now I have to pull through all this. So now finally I get a license, which I had to pay for. In Mississippi, I think it was $25, so it's not that much. So by the time, you know, by the time you get there uh, to get your license, it's only 20, you know, you probably have 25 bucks, probably the only 25 bucks in cash you have, but you hand it off. All right, Woo. And once again, this is this is just a review. Everything that you had to do, uh, you had to go into college for specific to become a teacher. You had to student. You had to observe and write essays. You had to be um, in my case. Then you had to student teach under a mentor. You had to take two tests, possibly three, uh, to to get your license. And you have to pay for your license. So. And that's all money out of pocket. How can we fix that? All right. Starting now, the praxis, or at least the, the pedagogy test, should be free. The um, And I do know, I've, I've heard of, I don't say I do know, I heard of, I don't know for sure, but I heard that some teacher education programs and some colleges float the bill for the praxis one, and they offer it on campus. So all you have to do is just show up on the right test day and take the test and and you get it you, but if you think about it you're paying tuition or you're on a scholarship or you're on a grant so somebody's paying for the test it isn't free <laughs> it's just happen it's not really free for you it's just you don't have to come up with any more money to uh, to take the test so you take the test like that so that's actually probably the best way to go so make sure if you're trying to do a teacher education program make sure that they possibly um, at least float at least one of those tests so you don't have to come up with any special uh, special amount of money. So in addition to all your finals that you had to take as, as, a, as a college student, and, forget, and, and don't worry about any of your content mastery that you had to take um, to, to, prove, to, to prove that you have a degree and you understand the, uh, the content, you have to take a content test and you have to pay for the, for the license. All that should have been, and honestly, maybe maybe not the content exam, but everything, including the license, should be free. Should be free, and I mean that you know most licenses in most states, they're not there to provide an obstacle uh, to become a teacher. I understand that it's to bring money into the into the system. You know, if a teacher needs to teach and the education short twenty five dollars and they need one more teacher, they can sell licenses to get some money. That's how that's how they supplement their money, which I don't think I think that's unfair. Um, that I have to pay someone I have to pay someone in order to pay me, to get paid. 
it, it seems to be kind of stupid. Uh, I'd rather it just take out, a, if you're going to do that, why not just take it out of my first paycheck or something? I don't know. Uh, so I don't know exactly how that would happen. It just should be free, in my opinion. I mean, they're talking about free, edu free uh, secondary education, not secondary education, college education for the masses. Why couldn't they just make these things cheap, free for teachers? Especially, you know, especially for teachers. But anyway, all right. So now you have you have your degree, you have your you have your diploma, you have your you have your license, you got your scores, you're ready to go, and you're you got your eye on that perfect score at school in my case, and you're like, you 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 um and like I said in the old days you can just make a phone call now it's a little diff difficult. So let's talk about today. So you're ready to go. You have, you got the school. You're looking at the school that you want. You know the discipline policy is fantastic. You know that there's a waiting list for the kids to get in. And if you if your behavior is not appropriate, uh, if you get you know in trouble three or four times, uh, the kid you're going to be you're going to be sent back to your normal school, and then somebody else is going to take your spot. And that's what's going to happen. And that kind of that's the kind of school you want to be at, or you want to be a school that uh, is elite enough to you know maybe. Uh, a school that's on a, a high school that's on a college campus. It's a feeder school where they can do dual enrollment, um, and there's a waiting list for that one. You want to get on that school as well. You know that's where you want to. That's where you want to. That's where you want to land. You want to. You want to teach the honors kids. You want to teach the high achieving kids because you don't want to teach the lowest of the low. You don't want to teach the VIPs. You don't want to teach the IEPs. There are some IEPs that you can teach, but. For the most part, you just want to do your job. You don't want to have to be questioned. You don't want to have to be told, uh, well, little Johnny, um, you know, like if you're a math teacher, well, little Johnny didn't learn his multiplication tables when he was in fourth grade. So therefore, he's allowed to uh, use his calculator on all tests. I said, why don't, you know, and then, and then I said, why don't we just have little Johnny memorize those multiplication tables? Why don't he just work with his, um, why don't he just go get a tutor or stay at, come into school early or stay after school late with his math teacher twice a week, the math teacher would be fine with it, I would be fine with it, to teach him his multiplication tables and that way he doesn't have to, he, he doesn't have to have the crutch. Oh, we can't do that. That's how silly IEPs are, ladies and gentlemen. However, there are some that are necessary. I am not trying to belittle all of them. I'm just saying some of them are just silly. All right, moving on. Now, how to get that first job? Once you're a teacher, how do you get that first job? Well, hmm. Okay, so let's say you're trying to, you haven't got your license yet. I know I said you got your license, but let's say there's some other things you have to do before you get a license, or there's some other things you have to do before you even get considered being hired. And there are a handful of things. First, you need a background check and fingerprints. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you are treated like you are some sort of uh, person who is trying to get a security clearance. And now I don't know all the all the travails that someone has to go to get a security clearance because I don't have one. Um, but usually, people who are experts in their field or considered high in their field have to get it. They can get a security clearance. I think you can just apply for a security clearance and do it. But the point is, is that you got to be fingerprinted. And you get it fingerprinted by the FBI. So right now, but you know, when I I left teaching for a while, did some different some some other stuff, was semi successful, and I just came back to teaching because uh, some stuff some stuff happened. But I'm not going to get into that. But when we turn about the kids, I had to get my fingerprints taken. I'm thinking, why do you need my fingerprints? Why the heck do you need my fingerprints? Why do you need my fingerprints? 
I mean, are you going to try to make sure that only my fingerprints are in the in the sock room, or you know, because I, in case I might try to make a bomb or something? And incidentally, ladies and gentlemen, anything that could be made a bomb in in a in, <laughs> in a chemistry class is not allowed on, on on high school campuses anymore. I mean, you can't even have you're not even supposed to have sodium uh, you're not even supposed to have sodium on, on campus anymore. If you have sodium, you're in violation. It's against the law. Anyway, moving <laughs> moving on. So. So what, what what what's why do we need a why do we need a fingerprint? And I'm just thinking maybe because they're trying to make a database of individuals. So why but why do we need that? You know I don't understand. I think it's evasion of privacy. But you it's either it's either get fingerprinted and get a get a job meager meager job a job with meager pay, or you or you get finger uh, or you don't get fingerprinted and you are you're Ubering. Or you're doing shipped, or you're somebody's personal valet. So, so you, you're trying to think to yourself, well, what are you you're doing? Some, you know, you're trying to think, what, what's more important to me? I don't mind because I'm not going to be breaking any laws. I'm not going to be running out and stealing. Wait a minute, stealing? I got it. I got it. FBI's want our fingerprints, teachers' fingerprints, because we they know we don't get paid very much and they're scared that we might go and steal money from somewhere. I jest, of course. Anyway, the point is, the point is, is it, is it a phase of privacy? The next thing you have to do is you have to go get a drug screen. Now, once again, uh, some districts allow you to, uh, some districts uh, will pay for your fingerprinting. I didn't. Every place that I've had been fingerprinted, uh, over the last five years, I had to pay out of pocket, and it's twenty bucks. You have to do a background check, and usually it's done the same thing. But you can do a back, you can have a background check. There's usually a form, which I'll mention momentarily about what you can do when you start making applications. You usually have to get, uh, usually have a license first. But when you start doing application process, you have to do a background check, and they usually email you a form, and you send that form to the pro, they'll give you an address to send the form, you give them all the information they need and they do a background check. Again, why do they need a background check? I guess they want to make sure that you weren't, um, you weren't drift, uh, drift racing, you know, and was arrested. I, I don't know. I mean, I know what they're trying to do. I know what you're trying to say. They're trying to, um, they're trying to catch any type of sexual predator or something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, well, first of all, these are my students. I don't even look at a student that way. I look at them as my child, and you know I can look at a student and say, "Huh, they're going when when they when they grow up, they're going to be they're going to be a heartbreaker." And that's about as far as it goes. I don't sit and you know I don't I'm, I'm not that kind of person, and and it, it kind of makes me feel ill actually even talking about it. But the point is, the point is, what are they trying to catch? Background check. Oh, were you were you arrested? Did you have any DUIs? Did you? Because all this comes up and builds a character portrait of your of your of your of your past. So if you've never been, if you haven't had a speeding ticket in 25 years or whatever, uh, you've never been, you never had a DUI, even though that you may have drive have doesn't mean you have never driven drunk. It just means you never been caught, um, and you're not a sexual predator because you find that kind of behavior abhorrent. Then you know that's what I guess that's what they're looking for. So they're looking at so they're looking at your background check. Then they're doing a drug test, which I which I mentioned a second ago, which I had to pay for. The background check I had to pay for. The fingerprinting I had to pay for. 
um, the drug screening I had to pay for. Now, that was nothing. I mean, you just go to a certain place, and you, they give you a little form. You hand it to them, you pee in the cup, and you leave. And that's it. I mean, it's not that much, but it's like 35 bucks. You know, it's like $35. Now, I got now once again, I have to pay $35 so I can get a job. I have to pay, uh, I have to pay $25, at least if we're talking about the Mississippi license, uh, $75 for North Carolina, if you think about it. But I have to pay for that. Then I have to pay for my background checks, and I have to pay, and I have to pay for my, my fingerprinting. So now I'm, I'm already paying $200. Not only that, the gas to drive all over town to do it. Why in the hell am I doing this? Please excuse my uh, language. I get very frustrated. It's not supposed to be that difficult. It is way too difficult to become a teacher, especially now if we were getting a security clearance or if we were getting a, you know, pay that was $80,000 a year after 12, after 12 years of working, of 12 years experience and your starting was $80,000 a year, that would be worth it. But again, you're, you're basically paying someone somewhere, somebody you're paying to get a meager and a very small uh, paycheck. In fact, Woo, you'll be richer, you'll be the richest poor person. And that's basically what it is. And that's what, it's interesting why they, they want to do that. All right, so moving on. And then you have to have, I had to have a physical. Now, they didn't give me the, the whole physical, you know, check various, you know, bi, uh, bodily organs or anything. They basically give you uh, ears and eyes, seeing if your eyesight is good or do you need glasses. And of course, I never have. And they said, your, how's your hearing? And of course, my hearing is fantastic. Are you capable? Are you, are you injured in any way? And I'm not. And, um, you know, um, do you, can you lift 25 pounds over your head? What? 25 pounds over my head? Why, why do I need to be able to lift 25 pounds over my head? What am I going to be doing? Stalking? Am I, am I going, uh, well, well, I guess maybe so, because, you know, I guess they look at teaching as a physical labor position or light labor. And then are you able to walk a mile is basically the question. Can you lift 25 pounds and can you walk a mile? Why? Because you may be walking all over campus one day and you don't need to be, you know, passing out from asphyxiation or passing out or having a heart attack. Uh, trying to move from point A to point B. I understand that. I guess that's an OSHA regulation or something. But once again, I have to pay for it. And finally, tuberculosis test. And if your if your tuberculosis test is not given in the same state that you're applying for, in my case, I was applying for three different states. You have to get in state three different tuberculosis tests. At least that's what they told me. Now it may have changed now. Tuberculosis test. Now answer me this, ladies and gentlemen. I have not heard, and I don't know if it's because of mainstream media or whatever, but why a TB test? I've been in high school, and I've been in junior high, and I have been in, in elementary. And I've been to college, and I got my measles, mumps, and rubella before I got into college. And then, and then now I have to get, and I've never been in the same room with someone with tuberculosis. I've never heard of any of my classmates having tuberculosis, and I have never heard of any of my teachers have tuberculosis. And... And as far as I know, the first ten, uh, well, the first the first eight years of my teaching experience, I never had to have a tuberculosis test. But now I have to have a tuberculosis test. Why? Are they putting some sort? Are they putting some sort of you know tracer in me, or something like that? Because they just put it right under the skin. They spray. You know how much that is? Thirty six fifty. Thirty six fifty again out of my pocket. Now I have to pay for. It. Now let's think about think about all the stuff I have to pay for just. <laughs> just to be even 
allowed to apply or possibly even get a license in a state. So think about this. I have to do a background check. Yeah, I guess you're trying to make sure I'm not a criminal. Uh, I got to do a TB check to make sure that I'm not, you know, Doc Holliday walking around coughing up blood on everybody. And then um, they gave me a drug test to make sure that not the only drug that I'm drinking is alcohol and, um, and caffeine because <laughs> I'm, I'm a non-smoker. And then you have to get... Um, you have to get a physical so that you can do minor labor. It's like, but I shouldn't be laboring. I'm a, I'm a career. This is a career. I shouldn't be lifting things over 20, 20, over my head. Well, I guess an HVAC person needs to be able to do that. So, okay. Well, wait, wait. Does an HVAC, after 12 years of being in the biz, only making $43,000 a year with a bachelor's? Hmm. I bet you they're not. I bet you they're not. All right. <clears throat> Moving right along. Okay. Uh, let's see. Finally, you get to apply. Now, the apply process, like I said before, and back in the day, you called the principal or you called the recruitment officer at the, at the, um, at the school district. And then they tell you yay or nay. And that's fast. And you, and it takes about 15 minutes. And then you have your resume already made out. You're ready to go. You have your degree. You have all the, you, you know, you have your, you have your diploma. You have your license number. And you have all the you have all your background information. You have you've completed everything. You have all the receipts or whatever they give you to prove that that you have done all this. And then you and you just give a call. You just give a call, and that's all it was. And that's how fast it was. And you would just call every school in a given area that's close to you. It's like I don't want to have to move too far. Um, maybe I want to you know for this first year of teaching, maybe I will stay with my with my family for one year or at least one school year, and then summer I'll move out. Next summer I'll move out so that because I, I could save up some money. But at least I'll be working and, you know, the parents get off my back. All right, so you try to do that. Well, um, you can't do that anymore. You can't. You try that. You pick up a phone and say, hey, you call a principal. You call a because they don't have a recruitment officer anymore in the, uh, in the thing. They have, a web, they have a web technician or a webmaster. So you call up there and you say, is there any chemistry position, in my case, is there any chemistry positions open in your district. And you know what they say? I bet you can, okay, one, two, three, get ready to say it with me. Go to the website. That's what they say. You call the principal. Principal's like, I don't have time for this. Go to the website. Click. You're like, now, unless you know, unless you are, you know, within six degrees of separation of a principal that you've somehow heard through the grapevine that they need a chemistry teacher, you can quickly and start applying. But let's say let's let's say that you don't have that big of a social network, or you don't really hang out with other people from the biz, from the education business. So here's what you have to do today. Today you have to go on and, and go to the uh, to the website, either most likely the district's website. Or you go to the school website and then get to the district website. Then you have to trudge through a myriad of, of, of tabs to find employment opportunities. And nine times out of ten, it's not as easy as work for this work for this county. Click. It's not like that. It's like buried under other, or it's buried under faculty, or buried other, uh, you know, buried under you know various other things. So eventually, you're just going to have to call the webmaster or the uh, the district office and hope you don't get put on hold. And then you sit there and go, hey, um, I can't find the employment information. And then they'll, they'll, they'll log you through it, walk you through it, excuse me. So you walk, you get walk, walk through. All right. So you finally get up there. So he's like, okay, there it is. Click. All right. I'm ready to go. And then it says, do you have an account? What? 
I'm I'm not trying to be a member of any kind of society. I'm not trying to pay any money. Of course, they don't ask you for any money at this point. And you sit there and go, well, I got to create an account. Well, I've been I've done this several times, ladies and gentlemen, uh, through my last five six years of my life, trying to find the, the the perfect school, and there is no perfect school. It's a myth. Anyway, the the situation is is that sometimes it's fifteen minutes before they give you your long information, and then sometimes it's twenty four hours. So you're trying to apply, and it's twenty four hours. So you go ahead and set up your information. Uh, go ahead and do your account, but this time while you're waiting, you kind of flip back and see if anybody's hiring. And you uh, for your for your for your degree or for your uh, for your subject content. And so you kind of scroll down and you look through it and you're like, oh, there's a couple of schools. I'll go ahead and look at these. And then of course it says enter your login information, so you can't go any further. You just know that they are hiring for chemi a chemistry position or a science position, and that's all you know. In my case, so you're like, hmm. Well, you gotta wait. So you so now let's say it takes the you know it takes about twelve hours before you get the email, uh, the email with your login information. You get the email with your login information. You're back online. You you go in. You put your email here. You you get your account going on. You click on the schools you want to apply to. You hit apply, and then they bring you to, uh, they bring you to your basically your standard fill in the blank questions. And what's your name? I guess biographical information, what's your name, your social security number, your license number, if you don't have a license it's a pending, are you, uh, are you nationally board certified, what's your highest degree, what was your school, where'd you go to high school, where'd you go to elementary school, where'd you go to junior high, you know, and, and you're looking at yourself, you know, and you, you've worked in the private sector, you've worked at other jobs before, and you've, you know, and you felt you've gone in there, but they've never asked any of these type of questions where you went to school, college, yes, but High school, who cares? But they want to know where you went to high school. They want to know where you went to college. They want to know where you went to junior high. In some cases, they want to know where you went to elementary school. So you have to, uh, of course, that's not on your that's not on your resume. So you have to go back and you got to look. Then it says, if you've not been a teacher, what are your last five jobs? Okay, if you are a teacher, what were your last three jobs? All right, what if you are a teacher and one of the schools that you used to work at doesn't exist anymore? And as a case, it does as a case with me. Well, then you tell you have to fill that in with comments. They ask if you can contact your previous employers. You say yes because you think you did a good job, and you can hope that they don't blackball you. You move it on. You move it on, and you fill all that out. All right, so that's like the first three or four tabs. Then you're on the, on the fifth tab. They uh, they they begin to ask you. Uh, they ask you some questions. They ask you. Uh, uh, what are your personal references? Well, got your resume right here, and you're like thinking to yourself, why am I even doing this resume if I'm going to be just entering it for someone else? So you enter it with a resume, and uh, you give the give all the pertinent information, email, phone number of your references, and they tell you, all right, to let you know before you'll be, a, you know, to let you know before you get an interview, your 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 uh, references. We're going to e we're going to email and or mail uh, um, a questionnaire, and that we need to receive at least X number from personal and X number from uh, private, uh, sorry, professional, uh, you know, personal and professional, X number from professional, X number from uh, for uh, uh, personal to even be considered to finish your file. And we will keep emailing you to let you know that you haven't done this. And you need to make sure that you call or let these people know that they'll be filling out this questionnaire and that they have two weeks to send it in. 
because the two because in if you're not finished with your with all this within two weeks, then you have to start the process over again. So now you have done that, uh, and then you get to like tab number six, and this is the one that everybody hates. At least I always hate it, unless I guess you're an English or history teacher or a person who is very good at writing and just telling stuff. But you come to the essay questions. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know. I've never been an HVAC person. I've never been a lawyer. And I've been, you know, I've never, I don't know. I know the lawyer has to take the bar exam. I know he has to take the LSAT to get into law school. And he has to take the MCAT to get into, uh, get into the uh, medical field. And I don't know exactly what tests need to be taken. I know that the, you know, I understand that, but but on an application, on an application for employment, ladies and gentlemen, where are there constructive responses? Are there? I don't know. And if you're an HVAC person or an electrician person, and when you're trying to apply for a job, I would love when I get my website or my email slash website up or uh, my phone number up to call me and tell me yay or nay. Tell me that you had to do three essay questions before you're even considered, before you're even allowed. And they're not optional. They don't have the little uh, red little information that in parentheses saying optional. It is required. And these are the most common three questions that I had to answer. Number one, why did you choose our school district? Or why did you choose our school? So why did you choose us, basically? And you're sitting there going, honestly, I need a job. You're hiring. That's why, and that is why I chose you. And you're and you're at a reasonable distance from where I'm I'm living right now. And that should be, and that's what the answer that you want to put. But you know, based upon your communication classes that we're required to take, and based upon all the uh, prompting from other uh, teachers and friends and family, you don't want to say that, even though it's one hundred percent the truth. I don't know anything about your school. The truth is, I don't know anything about your school. I don't care. I just need a job. And now remember that you're just thinking to yourself you need a job. You're not thinking you need a career. And once again, you're not thinking the right way. But it is a it's a job. You're trying to get out of the house. Right? You're, you're trying to get at a place that you might tolerate, at least for the next few years with with with, with you know. So what do you do? Well, you stop or you stop and save, thank goodness they can do that in the thing, and then you go and you get online and you try to find something about the district or something about the school that that is interesting so that you can at least say, well, I'm looking for a job and you're, uh, you know, I need a job. You tell them the truth, but then you say, but then I ran across your school and uh, stroke ego, stroke ego, stroke ego. That's what you got to do. All right, that one's done. That's the first one. The second one, uh, what, what always seems to be there, something along the lines of, what can you offer this district, or why should we choose you over va uh, over valid um, uh, other valid candidates? Why are you so special? In other words, sell yourself. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, I've, I haven't been in the classroom for so many years, or I've never been in the classroom. It's like I don't have any points of reference to tell you. Or another one that they also say is, what would your coworkers say about you? It's like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they were nice to me just because they're trying to be professional and they're trying to be polite, but in deep down, they hated my guts. I don't know. I mean, that's all subjective. So you try to think to yourself what to answer this question. So you sit down and you, tr you rack your brain. All right, question number three. 
Question number three, what is your teaching philosophy? Or how would you handle this discipline information? So in other words, they'll either give you a scenario and how you would deal with this information, or they'll say, what is your teaching philosophy? And then you go in and say, well, you know, I've never been a teacher before because I'm a first year teacher, or I have to tell them my teaching philosophy. But you want to make sure before you write that, you want to go back and you want to make sure that your teaching philosophy aligns with the school's motto or the school's, um, what do they call it? They call it something. It's some, some sort of euphemistic language of, of it's another way of a model. It's a mission statement. That's what it is. Um, so you've got to make sure that your philosophy are at least aligns somewhat with their, with their mission statement which all schools' mission statements should be simply, we plan to educate these schools, these, the, these students with the ability to recognize and uh, recognize problems, solve them unbiasedly without emotion, and to, come, and to enter the workforce ready to you know, be a productive member of society. That should be everybody, but they're not, they're not. You know, they, they choose one aspect of that, but anyway. So, we have to do this. Now, once you get there, once you hit apply or submit your application, ladies and gentlemen, then you can go in and add other schools. And then you wait. You don't call, you don't make a phone call to the principal saying, hey, I, know, I see that you're hiring. My information is up there. You do that, the principal is going to say, okay, I'll take a look. You know how often that's going to happen? Never. Unless, and, and of course, you're going to be sitting there biting, you know, biting your nails down to the quick until someone until you're to the point where you, you don't know what you're going to do you're like oh crap i'm going to have to keep this i'm going to have to go find me a part-time job uber once again uber or shipped or or go shopping for somebody or be someone's personal valet because or go flip burgers somewhere or go be a manager at papa john's or something along those lines um and you sit there and you're sitting there going i don't know what to do and you're just like i have done i have i'm not willing to drive an hour to a job, to find a job, and I'm not going to be paid enough initially to get my own place because you realize that money matters. And the family, unless I come from old money, which most people do not, um, the family is not going to. The family's like, we can let you stay here rent free, but you're going to have to get up early in the earlier in the morning than everybody else, and you're going to have to drive. It's it's laborious, and it's needlessly laborious. So you're sitting there, you know, and finally you get a phone call. You know, you finally get a phone call, and it's like two days before teachers are supposed to report. Uh, you've missed the orientation because they couldn't find somebody, and they're basically calling you because they're, face it, ladies and gentlemen, you're being, uh, in this case, you're at the bottom of the barrel. They're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh, they find you. They say, hey, uh, we'd like to give you an interview. You're like, all right. You're like, finally, an interview. And so, so far, or you go on to lot, or you get like 10 or 15 interviews and they all go in the same way. You walk in, you're supposed, and I suggest this for those people who are trying to get jobs, have a lesson plan, have an assessment that you use, have, um, have a lesson plan, an assessment, a uh, simple assessment, your, your, uh, your resume, your letter of recommendations, uh, and all your licenses that, the copies of all your licenses that you ever held, any accommodations or any accreditations that you have as well putting that into your putting that in a folder always photocopy three three different folders because you're going to not be seeing one person ladies and gentlemen you're going to be seeing anywhere from three to five now there's a couple times I had two but usually that's right at the that's right at the wire because the other you know they can't get all the all the other teachers or all the other interviewers are busy but 
but if there's plenty of time in the middle of summer, you're going to get three people. So, and they're not going to be smart enough or, uh, you know, or have the, are savvy enough to print out three different copies of the resume. So anyway, so you sit down there and you can show that you're really ready and you hand off your, your folders and you got three people and they're asking you various questions on various scenarios. You are being tried by a jury of people who you're going to be working for. And if you get them laughing, it doesn't mean anything. So what you have you have right here is you just you're looking at you're, you're being you're being grilled about how you could do stuff why do you want to work for it and then they ask you these questions they sometimes ask you the essay questions but more often than not they say where do you see yourself with us in five years and you're like you know I don't know I don't I you know what would you like to do would you like to have a master's degree in five years would you like to be AP certified in five years and you're like yeah those are all great ideas because right now. <laughs> Right now, in your mind, you're like, I'm just trying to get an income so that I can just get on with my life and not be stuck in this rut. All right, ladies and gentlemen, how can we fix this? Well, we can fix this with, um, we can fix this by making some things that are better. And one last thing that you have that I wanted to mention before I begin on uh, other reforms, or review the reforms I've mentioned, and the one last reform that I want to mention, is that your license has to be renewed periodically. Uh, different states, three, and sometimes you get what's, you, no matter what your educational background, no matter what your experience, you get what's called a provisional, which means you have to go to a certain amount of orientation hours with the school districts before you can upgrade. So that's more, that's more time and less money that you make. Granted, they will give you your money if you stay on them. They will give you the money that you missed. So they would only, you know, so when you go in, if you're on that three-year provisional, you don't get the 43000 You get something like thirty-six or thirty-eight. But they'll give, you, they'll give you your back pay, provided that you go to all the orientations and jump through all the hoops. And there's always one more hoop. And then if you don't have everything done by the time your three years is up, then they, 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 they don't hire you. Or they, unless you do something really amazing. At any rate, or you have to work in the, in the district three years before and do all the orientation. And then you can get a full, full, uh, full license. So moving right along. So licenses are renewed by something known as continuing education credits, CEUs, or units, or professional development. Because for some reason, your education that you've had, that you've done, and all the years that you've been a teacher doesn't mean anything. They're just going to tell you the same stuff over and over again, and put a, put a different shine, put it in a different shiny box, and then claim that you know you have to do this because this is new and improved. In reality, it's old and inferior, and you, and you're and you're having great success with your students, and you're not doing any of this crap. But then you get in trouble for not doing it. That's another. That's a. That's a. Time for another um, uh, another dichotomy, I guess, of teaching. So let me finish off by saying the things that we need to reform. The pedagogy test needs to be free, completely, for teachers. At least the first one. If you fail it, then you have to pay for that. But if you can pass it the first time, it should also be good. It should always be good. Um, even if they decide to go with a new test, pedagogy test, this test should be always valid for anybody up till the point of retirement, which would be sick until 60, until you're to the person is like 60 something years old. All right. The next thing is, um, they need to float the bill for all of the background checking and information. They need to float that bill that, you know, 
I mean, that, I mean, that's just every little bit helps, especially when you have such a meager pay. Um, I already talked about how pay would be increased in the previous one. I'll just go ahead and mention it again. They want to they give everybody just $30,000, or at least a lot of, or they want to increase the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Why not just give the money to the, the money to the teachers? First of all, you can definitely count how many teachers there are. You know, there's not a subjective amount of you know, whether citizens or non-citizens because you have to be a citizen to be a teacher. So that would be that would actually be great, but because they obviously have the money for enough pe for for the for the millions of people that are in America to give everybody thirty thousand dollars. Well, why not just give the teachers a pay raise? Hmm. Some people are just serious. All right. And the last thing uh, I want to mention uh, about this is that they should not make the hiring process so laborious because it's like trying to say you really want to be a teacher don't you you really want and you're like thinking it's like I just want a job I want a job that pays I want to do my job I want to do the job I'm trained for I don't want to have to teach the subject I don't want to teach and I just want to do my part I want to be a part of this I want to have a nice job I want to be you know I don't I don't problem with the stress of of normal teaching just make it easier for me to get a job All right finally uh, and finally uh, you want to look at the licensing licenses should be for life so once you and there should be no provisional license there should be no there should be no tiered license except for when you want to add an endorsement or you want to add an achievement so for example um, if you were to go to Georgia's website and look at all the possible uh, different levels and types of of uh, licenses they have you can see that that each license is a little bit better than the next and you have to jump through so many hoops to achieve these things if you jump through a hoop and you want to upgrade your license then you can upgrade your license by paying money but a and and lastly they need a teaching license needs to be 100% reciprocal across the United States in other words, if I have a Mississippi State license, I pay the license fee for, uh, let's say, Alabama or for Tennessee. I just pay the, the $75 or the $100 or the $120 that it is to get my license, and boom, I got my license. There's no, there's no double-checking your, your, you know, your credentials. There's no uh, making sure that you're not a sex offender, you know, because obviously you're not, because you have, you know, you have passed everything that's necessary to get a license. So in summary, Give teachers the the pay increase that they want to give the they want to give the uh, non-educated people. The at least the pedagogy test needs to be free, and and the uh, the license needs to be 100% reciprocal across the United States and, and continental United States, Hawaii, and its protectorates. And finally, uh, teaching licenses should be for life. They should not have to be changed. They shouldn't have to be renewed. And then back to the CEU and the professional development. And the professional development and the CEUs must be done to renew contracts with a co-district and handled through the district and all in the districts and has no bearing on whether or not you are licensed. And that would make it extremely easier for teachers to maintain their licensure and be easier for them to obtain a job. This is that's about all the time I have. Thank you for listening. This was Life with a Phil Filter. This was the second part of the Educational Reform Series. I was your host, Phil, and thank you for listening.